Amen. One, two, one, two. All right, let's just get the technology working here. Good. Well, good morning, everybody. And for those of you online, nice to see you there. So we're doing something a little bit different today, aren't we, Daniel? We are indeed. We are indeed. So this is uh, going to be interesting, I think. Uh, but the idea is we want you to hear in stereo. Uh, or if you don't like the old version, there's the young version or vice versa. So there's no excuse today <laughs> about not accepting the word. It's either going to be from the young or the old. Amen. So we've got an exciting word. And um, say with me quickly, good soil. Good soil. Good soil. You heard what... We, we heard that, that scripture this morning about good soil. When the, when the seed falls on good soil, what happens? There's a harvest, amen? So I believe that's what you've come here for, a harvest in your life, right? Uh, we're not into the devil stealing seeds. We're not into the devil, uh, things coming and taking the seeds away, amen? So as we sow good seed this morning, because it's the word of God, we're going to trust it falls in good soil because you've said it's there, amen? So open your Bibles with us to 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to ask Daniel to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Great, all right, so I'm going to be reading from the ESV version, um, and this is 2 Peter 1, 1 to 4. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Amen, Lord. Bless the reading of your word. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that your word is powerful, it's alive, and Lord, it has the ability to divide between soul and spirit. It's able to come into our lives and to dissect and to take away the things in our lives, Lord, that are carnal, that are corrupt, that are destructive, that are of the enemy, that are just of our flesh, Lord. And I thank you that your word comes in to bring life. It comes to bring healing. It comes to bring change, Lord. And Father, that's my prayer this morning as we once again go into this powerful word. Lord, change us. Even as your word declares, you change us from glory to glory. So change us even today, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel, that's an amazing scripture. It is so packed. Um, let's just look at it again. Verse, so verse 1 talks about to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Wow. So Peter, the great apostle, the one that walked with Jesus, is speaking here to you and I. A congregation like us, he was writing to and saying, you know what, guys, you've got a faith that is equal to ours. Because this faith, it's a, it's a universal faith. It's something that we tap into as believers when we're born again. It's a faith that is equal. In verse 2, it says, May grace and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's something here about knowing God. Amen. And we're going to maybe unpack that a bit, I think. But verse 3 and 4 is explosive. It's absolutely, it's mind-boggling. His divine power has granted us some things. All things. All, all things. All things. So his divine power has granted us all things 
that pertain to life and godliness, once again you're through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence. There's a divine power that has granted us all things. What, what does that word granted mean? It's, it's given. It's, it's here it is. It's yours. Mm. And then he says, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. There's another powerful word, promises. So that through them, you might become partakers of the divine nature. God is inviting us to be like God. What do you think about that? That's mind-blowing. It's powerful. Very powerful. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So we see, I mean, you, you could probably do 20 preachers just on these four scriptures. But we're going to unpack something today that Daniel and I have been chatting about a couple of weeks probably, just grappling with something. And I'm sure it's something you grapple with as well. So I'm sure we're in good company here. But let's just quickly, I just quickly want to again just look at these four scriptures. And what it says is, first of all, we have received a faith that is equal. You must know that today. Your faith is equal to, to my faith. It's equal to Pastor Dennis's faith. It's equal to Billy Graham's faith. It really is. Because this faith that he talks about is the faith of the gospel. It's, the, it's a faith it's not different. We're going to talk about strong faith and weak faith and levels of faith. But when we talk about this faith that we've obtained, it's incredibly powerful. And don't allow the enemy to tell you this morning that your faith is not the same as anybody else's faith. So we've obtained a faith. And he talks here about, first of all, if we've obtained a faith, it's about knowing God. It's about knowing God. We're going to talk a little bit about what it is to know God. Because knowledge of God and knowing God is something powerful. But we're going to see that this is not just a historic knowledge, knowing about him. It's having intimate knowledge with him. And he says if we have this faith and we know God, two things God releases. He releases divine power and he releases, uh, he releases promises. Okay, so we got the picture. We're in the faith. We've come to know God. And because of that, divine power and his promises are available to us. And as we partake of that, we partake of his divine nature. Do you kind of see a formula? we both engineers. We like to work in formulas. So faith plus knowing equals power. Promises equals divine nature. You got that? Okay. It's really, it's, it's calculus. So let's talk a little bit, Daniel, about the knowledge of God, knowing him. What is knowing God? What, what are the few aspects? What is it to really know God? To know God? Yeah. Well, yeah, more than a head knowledge. It's more than okay. just knowing about God. Yeah. Knowing God is being in relationship. If I think how I know you, yeah. you're my father, I'm your son, and um, we've spent time together. Mm. I know your character. I know God's character. Um, knowing God is knowing his people. Knowing God is knowing the purposes that he has, the purposes that he has for his church, his bride, knowing the purposes he has for you. Um, knowing God is, well, knowing his promises. It's knowing everything about him. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's, it's not historic. It's not head knowledge. It's heart relational knowledge developed in worship, prayer, revelation, being together with other Christians. Yes. 
It's all of those things, as you've mm. said. Okay, so that's knowledge. So we, we don't really want to park that off there. That, that is something that we'll come to. But it's important to understand that we need to know God. We need to have a personal walk with him. I mean, that's where it all starts. It all starts the day we respond to Jesus, the day that Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts and we respond to him and say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to follow you, whatever that means. And so that's the genesis. That's the Christianity 101. But Peter highlights two things here. He says, if we have this knowledge of God, if we know God in this way, there's two things that's going to flow from that knowledge. It's going to be power and it's going to be promises. Okay? Incredible. So power, let's just unpack that quickly, Daniel. Um, I mean, power in the world is very much like I'm in control, I'm stronger than you, I can take you out, I'm America, I can send my smart bombs over, I can take out some guy that's standing on his balcony and, and hit him and not the guy next to him. I mean, that's power, right? But is yeah. that God's power? No, that's definitely not. That's, that's uh, not God's power. So there, there's three, three aspects, I believe, of God's power that, that, um, that he shows us what it's really about. And the first one is the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Acts 1 verse 8, what does that say? So Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay, so we know God, we've received this faith, we know God, and now God starts imparting his divine power in our lives. And obviously we know that at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's one incredible impartation of power that we receive. Yes. Right. Even Jesus received it at his baptism. There's a second aspect of God's power, and we find this in Hebrews 1 verse 3. You want to read that for us? Yeah, that's correct. So Hebrews, Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the word of his power. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So there he talks about the word of his power. So the word is powerful. We know that Jesus is the word. In fact, Peter's in, in 1 Peter, he writes, he says, we've been born again of incorruptible seed. The, the word we speak, the word of God that is coming to your hearts and minds at the moment, it has power to change. It really does. That's the amazing thing about God's word. It's not a dead word. It's not Shakespeare. It might move your emotions, but the word of God will do more than move our emotions. It comes to change. And, and isn't that good news? Amen? Any of you got something that in your life, or a couple of things, let's say, that you need changed? Amen? My wife knows these couple of things that need to change in me. Amen? I know that. And babe, I know. And, and so the, the, the more you get to know people, Lord, you know, please change us into the image of Jesus. Amen? But it's true. We want change. We desire change. Change is not always comfortable, but it's good. Amen? So the, the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the word of his power. And then there's a third one, um, Philippians 3.10. Yes, and so this speaks of the resurrection power. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. The power of his resurrection. So power of resurrection. So these are the aspects of power that God, when, when God speaks, when Peter, sorry, speaks about his divine power, these are three primary uh, conduits through which God releases his power in his life. That's available to us. It's the, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
It's his word. It's the word of his power. Understand, it's not the power of his word. Dave preached the word about this. You must get the, it's not the power of his word. It's the word of his power. There's incredible difference if you understand that. And then there's resurrection power. In fact, the Bible says that if we are buried with Christ, we have been raised with him. That resurrection power operates in us. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. I don't know if you, you like me, I'm not a morning person, but there's Monday mornings that it's like, oh, you know, I don't say good morning, Lord. I say, good Lord, morning, okay? But, but it's morning and, and you, your, your soul might be down and you might think about a tough week that's coming up and maybe the weekend wasn't so great. You know, the, 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 the New Zealand lost, if you're a New Zealand supporter, I'm not, but thank God I'm a Springbok supporter. But you wake up and I'm sure you, Daniel, we all do. We wake up and we're feeling down. And we don't feel quite as, we don't feel divine power surging through us, do we? Definitely not. Not Definitely. in the morning, no, no. Not before 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, not until 10. Um, and so it, it's amazing that God has enabled us. We can start just praying in the Spirit. And sometimes it's like chewing sawdust because your, your soul is down and your mind is all over the place. But you start praying in the spirit. You get in the shower, okay? And the shower's starting to wake you up. And now you start speaking his word. You start declaring his word. And as these things start to work in your life, the resurrection power, even as God's word says, something happens. Something quickens your mortal body. And you can carry on. And that is available to every single Christian. No matter what you're going through. In the natural, you might be struggling with health. You might be struggling financially. There might be many struggles. But this is the power, and there's much more to it. We could, we'll do a preaching on, on the power of God's Spirit, right? Many other aspects of the power of God. But this is what's available. It is God. Uh, Paul writes over and over again, it is not something we crank up. It is not something we are expected to have. It is something that is given. His divine power is given so that we can partake in, 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 in the divine nature. So that's the one aspect. Let's talk a little bit about promises. Daniel, promises. How many promises are there in the Bible? So um, we had to look this up. There are quite a few. Um, I'm not sure where your guys' guesses stand. I thought there were well, about... I thought, well, let's see. Let's find out um, who thinks there are between zero and 100 promises. And this is what God made to mankind, just by a show of hands. Zero to 100 promises. Not really. Okay. Uh, let's go uh, 100 to 500 promises, somewhere between there. All right, okay, let's go 500 to 1,000. Okay, let's go 1,000 to 2,000 promises. All right, let's go 2,000 to 4,000 promises. All right, let's go uh, 4,000 to 7,000 promises. All right, so there's a guy called Storms. We don't know anything more about him. Um, but it took him half a year, and he read through the Bible, and he identified um, all the promises that God had given to us as, as mankind. And he found over 7,487 promises to just humankind. And there were a couple more. There are over 8,000, but those are other promises, um, not necessarily to us as humankind, but maybe to one man or, or something like that. So 7,487 promises that God has given to us. That is mind-blowing. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. I mean... If we took uh, one promise a day, how many years? We haven't done the math, have we? Sorry. We haven't but divides, who can divide 7487 by 365? Just, Just quickly. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it'd probably take us a few years. 
just to grapple with every promise, right? So Daniel, and, and what does God say about his promises? I think it's in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 18. Yes, so 2 Corinthians 1 verse 18 to 20 speaks a bit about God's promises, and this is what it says. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among, us, uh, among you by us, by me and by Silas and by Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. No matter how many promises, no matter how many 7,000 promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Sure. And so if we know God, if we, if we are in the faith and we know God, those promises are ours. That's what, that's what it's that's saying, correct. right? That's what it's saying. Is that the way you read it? That's the way it's saying. That's Every single saying. promise. So I, I'm, I'm from old school. Maybe uh, Uncle, Uncle Ivan will remember this song. Uh, but there was a song we used to sing. I mean, you guys sing cool songs about lions and you've got drums. In my days, if you had an organ in church, you were like, that was it. But there was an old chorus that said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. If I trust and do not doubt, God will surely bring me out. Every promise in the book is mine. And we used to sing that and used to sing it about about 20 times over just to you know, reiterate because we didn't have overheads in those days and nothing. So, but, but that is the truth. Every promise in the book, if we can receive it, it is ours. Just like the power of God is made available through the Holy Spirit, is, is, is anybody excluded here from the Holy Spirit? No, he says the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Anybody can't buy a Bible or, or okay, not, maybe you can't all buy an iPad either. My, my company bought me this one, okay? But, um, but we can all have a Bible and access to the Word, and that's God's power to us. And every one of us can be baptized and partake in resurrection power. So there's the power aspect. And here again, the, the promises. God says in Christ, if we are in Christ, every promise, it is ours. It is ours for the taking. Now, I don't know if you've done the maths, but uh, 21 years my goodness me. So if you, if you just meditate on one promise every day, it's going to take you 21 years to get through all the promises. Amen? That is amazing. That is awesome. I don't think we'll run out of promises. And, and this is the thing, is that, you know, we can, once again, we talked about that head knowledge thing, right, Daniel? I mean, yeah, that's correct, I've been to yeah. Bible school, you've been to Bible school, a lot of people have been to Bible school, but that's not what it takes, right? Definitely not. It's having this relationship with God where He whispers in your heart a certain promise. Mm. Um, I can remember, for example, I was about to go to university. I was um, 17. Mm. And I grew up in an era where everything was sinful, right? I was in a Pentecostal church. If you danced, if you, wear, if you wore lipstick, uh, if you didn't wear a tie to church, it, you know, the list went on. I mean, you think so many promises. There were more <laughs> things that you were allowed to do than promises. And so, um, and then one of the things was, obviously the world was sinful, and it is still sinful, don't get me wrong. But I remember us, we used to ride past UCT back in the day. We stayed in Kenilworth. And I'd ask my mom, you know, what's that place? And she would rightfully tell me, because in that place, UCT was, you know, UCT stood for uh, University of Communist Training, right? That's what it stood for. Stood for. Uh, it stood for University of Communist Training because it was, uh, it, it was just quite a, uh, a, a hotbed of, of new ideas and the hippie movement was happening and free love and all this. So my mom would say, that's a very bad place. And I'd look at it and say, I'll never go there. <laughs> I'm a Christian. And lo and behold, God calls me to go to UCT. 
And I remember Daniel the day, I'll remember it. It was a service very much like ours. It was a, almost Freshers Week, almost Freshers Week. Monday was Freshers Week, my first day to step on campus. And I'll be honest, I was scared. As a Christian, I was, I was feeling very fearful about going to this place that my mom said I shouldn't go and I agreed with her. And um, we had a service just like this. The worship was cranked up like this and we had an altar call. And a lot of us young people came forward. And I remember just crying out to God and saying, God, I need your help. I, I, I'm, I'm fearful. I don't want to go tomorrow. I, just, I was just praying. I can't remember what, what song was singing. And I had my hands in the air and I was just praying and saying, God, help me. The, the next minute, um, our pastor's wife came around. She just touched me on the head and I didn't remember anything else. I remember a few minutes later, I'm on the floor. Power of God is all over me. But, sorry. But when I stood up, that fear was gone. It was gone. I, I drove to university the next day, excited and amped. It was four of the best years of my life. So I'm emotional about it. But, but when God gives us a promise... God, you might be going through a tough time. You might be going through a hard time. But when God gives you a promise, when you know him, you're spending time with him and his people, and he drops a promise in your spirit, it'll see you through. It'll see you through no matter what you're going through. I can attest to that. I'm sure many of you can attest to that. So that's about the promises. And uh, another old hymn, Daniel, I'm, it's so old, I couldn't put it on my iPad. I had to print it out. But you might remember this and you might know this hymn written many years ago which says, Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. It carries on beautiful words. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. And so the promises of God are incredibly powerful. If we can tap into those promises, if you can trust God and say, God, this is, my, this is what I need, God will give you a promise. I believe that. And in Christ, it is yes and amen. So Daniel, the power of God is available. The promises of God is available. So Peter, as we said, he says, We've been, giving, we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness. We've been given power and promises. There's a big question here, isn't there? There is definitely. What's the question? So in light of this, I mean, we've just, our, our key focus today is 2 Peter um, 1. And as you've just said, God promises and says that we have been, been given everything for life and for godliness. And so the honest question I have, and these are profound scriptures, there are many like them, um, and they're all packed with truth, um, with power, with revelation. But as a believer, why am I partaking in these truths, operating in his power, escaping the corruption of the world and appropriating his promises less than I desire? Why, why are these promises, why are these words, why are these, these truths not the case all the time in my life. And so, I mean, I've only been a Christian for about 15 years, and that's a long time, but the desire, the deep desire in my heart, 
I, I wish I was already like Christ. <laughs> I do. And every day I wake up and say, yes, Lord, today I will be like you. And then the day hits and things happen and the flesh gets in the way and trips you up. And so I find myself asking why, if, if, if this is true, God's promises are true, he's given us his Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit, Christ died for us and all of these things, why am I not seeing that? Why am I not experiencing that? Why is this not the case all the time? And so dad, you've, you've been a Christian a lot longer than I have. 16. Six, no. <laughs> is this a question that you still wrestle with? Something you still grapple with? I wish I could say it wasn't, Daniel, but yeah, probably on the road for just over 40 years, and I still have challenges. Um, you just have to ask mom, the divine nature is not entirely there. And I'm sure that when you've seen me driving and that taxi pulled in front of me, yes. you've seen the divine nature is not there yet, amen, or fully there. And so maybe that's your experience as well. We've read these amazing scriptures and they're the promises of God. His power's available. His promises are available. They're there for the taking. So why not? Good question. So, okay, that's, I'm, I'm glad, and I'm, I'm sure all of us are, you know, we, we grapple with the same thing, maybe not all the time to the same extent, but it is something, you know, we do something and we say, why? <laughs> why, Lord? Why, why me? You know, woe is me, and we, we just spend. But this message is more about hope. There's hope. We're going to yes, hope. no, um, absolutely. We're not going to end off there and just say, sure, guys, no, no. We, we don't have it. So um, what, what is the key then? What, what can we take from these promises, from these scriptures we're discussing, and what can we draw from it? What can we learn that will help us? So, Daniel, I, in my 40 years... <laughs> I believe, there are, there are many aspects, but I believe if we really have to break it down, I believe there's two keys, or it's a coin with two sides. It, it, it is really as simple that I believe, and from these things, I think everything flows. Do you, so shall we, shall we share that with them, or shall we tell them to come back next week? I think we can share it. We can share it now, okay. Right. They're all here already. Okay. Yeah. Well, we don't all have right. to pay for parking anymore. That's Amen. true. Amen, okay. So Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Daniel, let's go to Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2, and unpack just two, these two aspects, these two keys or this coin with two sides. All right, so Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 2. Yeah. says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Yeah, let me just read that last line. But the message they heard mm. was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So let's, let's unpack a few things here. It, it talks about the promises again, right? Okay, entering the promises. Um, it says we could, can fall short. And I think that's what we're saying. Sometimes we feel we do fall short, right? There are some weeks that, well, I'll be honest, I drag myself to church because I, I haven't quite made it. I've really blown it big time. I've done that before. That's depressing. But the good news is this, is that they say in the Old Testament, or, or many people that fall short, it's because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. That's powerful there. It's talking about faith again. It's talking about sharing, a shared faith. Remember Peter, we're gonna, oh, well, we can go back there now, where Peter talks about that shared faith, common faith, and it talks about obedience. So, so I think one side of the coin is this. It's strong faith. 
That's the first side. We, we're going to talk a little bit about faith because faith seems to be the key here, right? That's correct. Peter speaks of a yeah. faith of equal standing. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. He talks about that, a faith of equal standing. Mm. That talks of strong faith. So let's talk a little bit about strong faith and what it is. Um, so Hebrews 3 and 4, we, the context here is there's a promised land. Promise. There again, promise. There's a promised land. And in the Old Testament, it says they couldn't enter because of unbelief. They were a group. They were a congregation. They were a church. And yet they couldn't enter because they didn't have faith. Okay? In the New Testament, our promised land is Christ. It's his promises. It's entering into the fullness of who he is because what are we talking about? What is the ultimate of God's will here? It's his divine nature, right? It's reaching the fullness of the stature of Christ. I think if we can get there, and that's our pursuit as a Christian, we've arrived, right? I mean, how much more than the fullness of Christ is there? Okay? So I think we've, we've got that down. So there's this aspect. So the one side of the coin is strong faith, this equal shared faith. Then there's a second side, which, which uh, uh, well, in this case, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, we think it's Paul. Okay, come to Bible study. We'll find out who wrote it, hopefully. But he talks about a shared faith. What is, what is shared faith? What, what, when I say shared faith, what does that mean to you? Shared faith. Well, shared faith, simple examples. Shared faith is, um, yeah, having the same goal as believers together. I have, I have faith in Christ. I'm sure Pastor Dennis has faith in Christ. We share our faith in Christ. Okay. Um, shared faith is, is about us. It's plural. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's fellowship. It's communion with one another. Um, it's exhorting and encouraging one another. Shared faith is... It's not, it's not only my faith I'm focused on, it's the faith of others around me, the faith of those believers around me. Um, yeah, so that encapsulates it. I think so, and, and, and the word that, that uh, the New Testament brings out when it talks about shared faith, it talks about the word koinonia. Some of you might have followed the band back in the day, but koinonia is this Greek word that talks about shared faith, it talks about fellowship, talks about communion, the coming together, of Christians, and there's incredible power in that. So, so Daniel, we, what I want us to do quickly is maybe we can share. So, so you've got this coin. We know that faith is the currency of heaven because that's what Hebrews teaches us throughout. From beginning to the end, it's faith. We know that we, we, we access this kingdom by faith. We come by faith to Christ. It's none of our undoing. It's faith. Um, in fact, the big Hebrews 11 is all about faith, isn't it not? And so, so faith is the, the currency of heaven. It's the key, like we're talking about, it's the key, it's the currency that unlocks the power of God, the promises of God, and give us access into the divine nature. So let's talk a little bit about this. Just let's give, let's give some examples from your and my life. Because I think as we've come to this understanding that strong faith and shared faith allows us this access into his divine nature. Let, let's share a little bit about, do you want to go first or shall I go first? No, I'll go first. You go so, first, okay, Daniel, you first. See, in our, in our discussion over the past couple of weeks, just thinking about this, um, we, we ended up coming to this point, obviously guided by the Holy Spirit, where we were like, the times in our lives that we felt the most strong, the most confident, uh, the most capable, of pursuing Christ, of standing in faith, was in those times or at those events when we were together 
as a body when we were in fellowship with fellow believers. And so we're going to share a couple of testimonies just from our own lives that we reflected back on and said, actually, yes, this is so true. Um, in community, we are strengthened. We are strengthened. And I'm talking about Christian community. And so the, the first testimony I want to share is um, back um, when I left school, I did a gap year and studied at the Bible Institute of South Africa up here in Cork Bay. And coming out of high school, I was not where I desired to be uh, in, a, in terms to my faith. And what I found is that in going and studying, uh, we were about a student body of 40 people. Uh, there were about 10 to, to 12 lecturers there, academic staff. And being exposed to and going walking daily um, in, in the classes, in the chapel services with this group of people, these believers on fire for Jesus, just so passionate, desiring him, lecturers with wisdom beyond wisdom. I mean, it was just amazing. And what I found is that the things that I was unable to do or the things that I lacked faith in before, going there and spending that time and being surrounded in Christian fellowship became so easy. Um, and one example of this was for, for one of our courses, we were expected to go out into Cork Bay one afternoon and preach the gospel for two hours. We had to go out, we were sent out two by two, and we walked into the streets of Cork Bay and we were going to share the gospel and come back and write a report and submit it. Um, and we were just going to share our experience. And so upon hearing this, I was like, Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. Me and my good friend Michael, we were like, okay, let's go. And so we all paired up as first years, two by two. We prayed together. We said, Lord, lead us, help us. We took our Bibles and we went out into Cork Bay and we preached the gospel to people for two hours just on the street. We went to a parking guard and he said, no, I'm having my lunch break now. I can't talk. And we said, that's all right. And we moved on to the next one. And we ended up at Cork Bay train station where there were a couple of young, um, young, young teenagers um, just sitting there on the platform. And, um, you know, they asked if we had anything to give them. And we said, oh, do we have something to give you? And so we sat down with them as the trains were passing. They weren't going anywhere. We weren't going anywhere. And we sat and we chatted with them for about half an hour, just sharing about the gospel and the love of Christ. And then we ended up, we walked and we met some Jehovah Witnesses and we shared the gospel with them. And then we went into a curio store and we had a long conversation with the owner there um, just about Jesus, about the gospel, about this hope, this faith. By just by by faith and the encouragement of my my friend Michael alongside me, we were able to go out and with with sincerity and genuineness share this faith. And I truly believed that day that this was this was true. This was faith. I believed it, and and it was amazing. And so that's that's the one example. Just this was the fruit. This was the result of not the teaching of not attending a Bible college. It was what I'd learned and what I experienced and how I was fueled by these believers around me. And so what you're saying is there's no ways on your own you would have got to that place. Not a chance. Even though you had the Bible. I had the Bible, I had okay. the Holy Spirit, but I had that in school. And for some reason it took coming together as a body of believers and being encouraged by others and walking alongside others that my faith was strengthened to sure. the point where I could now, I could do this. So I have a similar thing, but I didn't go to BI. I went to UCT, 
And um, so I went to UCT. I was a very, I mean, I was on fire for Jesus, but I think, Daniel, same as you, you know, my faith was private. I, I shared it when I could, but I didn't quite have that boldness that I, you know, that, that you kind of want, you feel you need to, to be as a Christian. And so I got to UCT and I said, I'm in a church. I'm not going to get, I'm here to study. I'm not going to get involved in any Christian ministry on this campus, nothing. I go to church on Sundays and I study Mondays to Fridays. Well, God had different plans. And uh, it was about mid, it was mid-year, about June, July, I think. I was walking on um, uh, there by uh, uh, Jamie Stairs, or whatever it's called now, Sarah Bartman Stairs, what do you call it now? Whatever, the plaza, there we go. I was walking there, and there was this circle of about 10 people, one had a guitar, and they were singing worship songs and had their hands lifted in there on plaza, lunchtime. And I was riveted to the spot. I just stood there and said, man, this is something I, you know, I would never think of doing, but look at these guys. And something in my heart, just I knew I've, I've got to be part of something like this. This is just incredible. And uh, one of the Christians, I mean, they could see I'm standing there like, like this. They came and grabbed me and said, come join us. And I just stepped into that group and uh, we worshiped. And um, after that, we met in the chapel and I just got to know this group. And, and for the rest of my Christian walk at UCT, we would meet practically every lunch in the chapel, we'd pray. Then we'd go out, we'd, get, we'd go on Jamie's stairs and we'd, we'd share our testimony or we'd worship. And the guys that were in lectures with us were like, oh, look at Anton. You know, so we, were, you know, we, we got some persecution, but many others were amazed. And, and as I said, Daniel, I couldn't do that on my own, but I was so glad to be part of this fiery bunch of Christians. And we did things like that. On Jamie's stairs, we used to preach the gospel and um, people got saved and, we, and many other things. Just the fellowship. We used to spend weekends together, um, yeah, just worshiping God and growing. And I can honestly say that those three to four years at university were an in, incredible leap in my walk with Christ. And it wasn't because of me, super Christian, uh, quote the word, you know, sort of thing. Yes, I was filled with the Spirit of God. Yes, I was tapping into the promises of God. But it was in the context of those um, young, that group that lit the fire. And I think we've said this before, you know, if you're a coal and you, if you take a coal out of the fire, what happens? It dies. But if you stay in the fire, something happens. So let's maybe share just a few. We're going to wrap this up. But what are a few scriptures that we can share that, that exemplify this. For example, Ecclesiastes, I think, four. Yeah, so here are just a couple of scriptures that speak of the power of Christian fellowship, how by oneself, you know, we are, we are weaker than if we are um, um, in fellowship. And so Ecclesiastes four verses nine to 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Sure, and then there's Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 verse 30 says, How can one man chase a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock has sold them, unless the Lord has given them up? So there's a multiplication there. Good. Yes. Luke, Luke 10, what did Jesus do? Jesus, when he uh, sent the uh, 72 out to the towns before, before he was there, it says, After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two, ahead of him to every town to the place where he was about to go he sent them out two by two it wasn't he didn't send he could have he could have covered 72 places but instead he said no let's just work let's just work on 36 places and we send them out two by two because together they are stronger yep and then lastly x4 
Acts 4, 31 to 33 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And it goes on to, to speak about the other things. But that's incredible. Together they were in this room praying, and it says that the ground was shaken. The ground was shaken. Let's wrap this up and maybe have some practical applications for the week, right? Because we want this word to not just to be something we've heard. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely not. So, a couple of conclusions. So, we can partake in the divine nature through strong faith in his promises and in power, right? That's right, yes. Okay, sorry, let me say that slower. We can partake in the divine nature through strong faith in his promises and power. Strong faith is best developed not by ourselves, but through Christian fellowship. That's what we've learned. Yes. Okay. So, three things. Three things just from our testimonies. What are those three things? What is the first one there, Daniel? So the first one that we've just identified that we've seen um, is that wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, whatever area, whatever walk of life, whether at work, at university, at school, connect with another believer. We're not, we're not saying go and evangelize. We're saying first connect with another believer because together we are a lot stronger. Okay. Secondly, definitely connect in the local church. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. But what, what is the next step from connecting in the local church? What's the It's great step? to see everyone in church today. It's wonderful, um, and we encourage you to keep doing that. But when we connect in smaller groups, and we've got connect groups in this church, when we connect into a ministry group like worship, like ushering, um, and even when we, we meet one-on-one -on -one as, as accountability partners in discipleship, mm. all of these different smaller groups is where we just see this, this, this fulfillment, this, uh, yeah, this, this, the, the true fruits of this encouragement and this faith come to life. Yep. Our last scripture, Daniel 2 Corinthians 10. We'll end with this. Verse 3 to 6 says, yep. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. And every single identifier there, if that's the correct word, it speaks plural, it speaks we, it speaks your, it speaks us. Yeah. And it talks again about power. It talks about all the things that, 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 that Peter spoke about. So we want to end with this. And also for those of you that are on the screen there, one of the, one of the strongholds that we've identified, right? One of the strongholds, these are not just necessarily drugs and, and you know, we're into all the wrong things of the world. But one of the strongholds could be that the devil isolates us. Well, it is. Well, it is. It is. It is. It's not could be, it is. Yeah. The devil will always want to isolate us. He will. And so our encouragement this week to you is, is some practical application if you're not already doing it. Number one, what's the first one we're going to do this week, Daniel? So this week, wherever you find yourself from Monday to Friday, connect with another Christian. Find a believer. Find someone who shares the same faith as you and connect with them. Amen. And that's key. Find someone at work. Doesn't matter if they're Catholic, whether they're Baptist, whatever. Just connect with someone that has got a, a like faith. Make that connection at work because there's power there. Again, one can put a thousand. Maybe we want to reach the people at work for Christ, amen, or at school, or at university. But two of us 
10,000, right? And so there's power in agreement. There's power in prayer. We're, we're two or three. You know, Jesus is with the one, right? But he says, when two or three are gathered, I'm there. And Jesus said that I believe on purpose. Amen. What's the second thing we can second do? Second and last one is we as a church offer incredible, um, and we're so blessed by this, just a space to get connected and get involved. And so our encouragement is to join a connect group if you're not already part of a connect group. And if you are part of a connect group, attend um, and go and enjoy Christian fellowship together. And um, the young adults are meeting straight after the service at 12 o'clock. And so if you're a young adult and you would like to join for the first application of this word, um, we'd love to have you there. Amen. Pastor Dennis, over to you.